Well, firstly, I want to thank all who've uh, been able to contribute, taking part in producing carols and reading the scriptures this evening. Now, for a short moment, for a few moments together, I'm going to refer you to a text in the Bible which hasn't been read uh, this evening, and yet it is a Christmas text. It's found in the Gospel of John, chapter 3 and verse 16. It's known as the Gospel in a nutshell. It reads, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. As we've heard, it's Matthew who tells us about the angel's visit to Joseph and the wise men bringing gifts and Herod's reaction to the newborn king. Luke, we have heard, has told us of the angel's visit to Mary and then the journey to Bethlehem, there being no room in the inn, and then the shepherds coming to see the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. John, in his gospel, looks not at the historical details, but the significance of it all. And uh, the word we read in the first chapter of John, the word we read became flesh and lived for a while among us, dwelt for a while, made his abode with us. The one who came was full of grace and truth. But then in John chapter 3, as Jesus is in conversation with a man called Nicodemus, we might think that this is perhaps a, a more of a conversational thing. But it is a Christmas verse for us to consider this together this evening. We consider it as we become aware that it touches upon three important elements in the story of salvation, and it begins there in the manger at Bethlehem. It answers firstly the question, why Christmas? What was the motive behind Christmas? And we will clearly see as the verse begins, God so loved the world. Had God not loved the world, there wouldn't be a Christmas. There wouldn't be anything. But God has loved the world and sent his son to be our saviour. The second question that we can consider is this. It answers, what was the gift of Christmas? A week today, we'll have received our gifts. Unless, perhaps, uh, some relative has sent it a little bit late and not been listening to the news uh, about the, perhaps the, the, the delay in postal delivery and you'll be receiving it perhaps a few days later. But certainly, with regards to the gift of Christmas, we can answer it. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, his only begotten son. And then thirdly, we can see that it will answer a question also. It answers what the purpose or what was the reason for Christmas. The motive was love. The gift was the Lord Jesus himself. But what was the purpose of it? The verse tells us at the end. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal or everlasting life. So those are the three little questions we will look at now. Then, So what was the motive? We've already underlined it. The love of God. What would possess the Lord of glory to lay aside all that was rightly his and become one of us? 
I'm pretty sure over this Christmas season, people will be traveling tens, twenties, maybe hundreds of miles just to be near their loved ones and to share with them at this time of the year. And they'll travel through all types of weather. Maybe it'll be the snow in Scotland, uh, uh, perhaps uh, something of the, the ice in the Midlands and the rain we have here now in South Wales at the moment. But all types of weather, all types of delays, people having to reorganise themselves because of the train strikes that we know are happening uh, over the Christmas season. Even the setbacks and the difficulties, for we know sometimes even the best plans uh, come to ruin. But effort will be made to make sure that they are with their loved ones for the Christmas time. It's unlike that young man, that boyfriend. Oh, he said uh, on his Christmas card to his girlfriend, I love you deeper than the Grand Canyon, as high as Everest, and as wide as the equator. And I'll be over to see you tonight if it's not raining. You know, you can say the words, but come in. And this is exactly what we see here, the love of God. Nothing constrained him, nothing prevented him from coming. The God of heaven and earth, the creator and the sustainer of the stars and the planets, so loved this world. But he is all-knowing. He knows the best about us and he knows the worst about us, yet he was still willing to come. God's love is deep. It cannot be fathomed. It is extravagant and it gives of its very best. The babe of Bethlehem, whose arrival into the world we celebrate as an historical event tonight and next week, is also the Christ of Calvary. And God's love is not only seen in the incarnation, assuming a human nature and dwelling and living amongst us, but also as well in the Easter story. The atonement, making us at one with God through his death upon the cross. God removing the curse of sin and the wrath that we all deserve, taking it out of the way once and for all. So that's the motive, the love of God. And I pray that you'll know something of the love of God in your heart. Not only the love of family and friends, but this wonderful message seen in this babe who comes amongst us, who does us good. And cares for us. Secondly, what was the gift? Well, again, we remind ourselves from the text. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Now, God had sent prophets in the Old Testament times. The greatest prophet, Isaiah. The great prophecy, we've heard that read tonight. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Or Micah, the shorter prophecy, seven chapters, telling us about the place where Jesus, the Saviour, would be born in Bethlehem, Judea. And then, of course, there was John the Baptist, who is part of this Christmas story as well. His mother, Elizabeth, and Zechariah, his father, they are part of the story in Luke chapter 1. John the Baptist straddled, really, the Old and the New Testament and spoke of the one who would come the Lamb of God, who would take away the sins of the world. One greater then than David, the great king of the Old Testament, or even Solomon, his son, or even John the Baptist, has come. 
It's not now then the, the giving of a philosophical statement or an idea of how to live. Oh, perhaps it includes the teachings of the Lord Jesus. But it's not even a list of rules that you have to try to follow. We need to understand that what God gives is his son. God gives a person. God gives himself. Why such a gift? Well, because we need someone near to us. A young mother tucked her small daughter into bed. Outside, the rain was falling, and the mother went downstairs. The storm increased, and lightning flashed, and the thunder boomed. And the girl jumped up out of bed, ran downstairs, and ran into her mother's arms, saying, Mummy, I'm afraid. And the mother said exactly what we saw on the video. Whether it was to Zechariah, whether it was to, to Elizabeth, whether it was to Mary or Joseph or to the shepherds, be not afraid. She was held, she was hugged, she was comforted. And then the two of them climbed the stairs and the girl jumped back into bed. Five minutes passed and a mighty clap of thunder shook the house. And the girl again descended the stairs and said, Mummy, I'm still afraid. And her mother said, listen, little one, I've told you, you are perfectly safe. God loves you. We love you. He'll take care of you. We'll take care of you. The little girl replied, I know that God loves me. But when it's thundering and lightning outside, I want someone with skin on me, with skin on to love me. I need someone near to me. And this is exactly what this Christmas message is all about. The good news of Christmas is that someone with skin on has come to live amongst us. He feels as we feel. He goes through all the experiences. And that's why we were discussing it with the young people on, on Thursday night in our youth meeting. That's why Jesus began as a baby. And then grew up to be a youth and then to become a, a grown man. He began being vulnerable and dependent and weak. God placed his best gift in the hands of, of a mother. For whom then he depended upon for sustenance and hygiene and warmth and protection in his early days. Unlike that character created by Rowan Atkinson, Mr. Bean, who supposedly just falls from somewhere from the sky and then begins his funny experiences of not knowing what anything's about. No, this was one who was a babe, a child, a youth, and a mature man. The scriptures again in Luke chapter 2 tells us Jesus grew. He grew and became strong and was filled with wisdom and grace and the grace of God was with him there was physical emotional intellectual and spiritual development uh, as the Christ's human nature interacted with his parents his home life and the days of his society he experienced what we call the growing up days the difficult days. If you're a teenager, uh, perhaps this evening, and uh, you're finding it hard, difficult, uh, who am I? Why am I here? The growing up days. Well, the Lord Jesus went through all of that. He knew sorrow and bereavement. Somewhere in the story, we don't know when, Joseph uh, dies. And Jesus takes on the responsibility of becoming the carpenter in Nazareth and providing for his mother until the Lord then calls him to uh, begin the preaching ministry. 
So he knew work days as well as growing up days as a carpenter. And then he knew the difficult days of ministry. He knew the betrayal days of Judas. He, he knew what it was to, to be uh, despised and rejected of men, as Isaiah's prophecy tells us also. He knows all about you. He knows what you are going through. And yet the wonderful difference, as we explained again in our youth meeting on Thursday, Jesus is so like us and yet so unlike us because he never sinned. There is this wonderful sense of a coming together of a divine and a human nature, not half a man and half, half God, but truly God, truly man. We sang of it, verily, truly God, truly man, and yet blended together in such a way that they do not intermingle, and yet there's this wonderful sense that he is completely human, and he experiences temptation at a level that we will never know. How do we know this? Because by and large, when we are tempted, we give in, if not the first time, we'll give in at the second or the third time. And then it begins to become a, a habit. It begin, begins to become part of our character. And it weighs us down and brings shame and guilt and sorrow. The Lord Jesus Christ knew temptation at a level so much greater than we ever did. You know, it's like the, the little example of, a, of the child who's picking up the two sort of pound little bar now to sort of strengthen his muscles. Two pound, and then a five pound, and then he's gone on to ten pound, and he thinks he's getting stronger and stronger. Well, temptation is very much like that. How much does it take? How much can you, co how much can you cope with before you give in? Now imagine then the Lord Jesus, greater in that sense of that illustration, greater than, than, than any, any, any weightlifter could ever lift. He carries it all. He does not sin. And this is the gift then that has been sent to us this Christmas time. And then thirdly, let's look at the reason. And this is the reason why Jesus overcomes all those temptations and why he lives that life and why he has growing up days and work days and betrayal days and sad days. The reason is given here in the text again. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The scripture is very clear. If we break God's commands, there are consequences. Now we understand that in the context of family we explain to our children. There are do's and there are don'ts. Now are those do's and don'ts because uh, parents are, are nasty, because parents are unkind? Well of course there are some who do manifest that, but the majority, these instructions are there for protection and for guidance and for instruction. And the Lord God has given us certain instructions and if we fail to obey them, there are consequences to it. In this life, in this life, if we lie, if we deceive, there are consequences in this life. But there are also consequences for eternity. And Jesus came, it's very clear in the text, so that people would not perish. They will not perish. He came because he knew there was a judgment to come and an eternity outside of God that is it's beyond description. It's hard to de describe it. And he came to rescue you from that. Otherwise, what is salvation? If you're saved from nothing, well, then there's no salvation. He came to rescue us. 
Some gifts, we know then, are received for a short time. You might get a bunch of flowers over the Christmas time. I remember one year as a family, imagine this. Somebody kindly gave us a game of noughts and crosses made out of chocolate. Well, you imagine now, how long did that last? Right? Whoever was noughts, they were equal numbers. Noughts and crosses, well, I mean, you know, would you want to handle them for five games? All your sticky fingers on them? It was gone. And when it was gone, it was gone. Once it's opened, it's finished with. I can't see perhaps many games being played, perhaps before things begin to disappear. They're in the bin or they're broken. Other gifts perhaps uh, uh, wear out and are discarded. The gifts now then that Jesus offers us here is that not only that we will not perish, but we will have everlasting life. It's more than endless life. It's more than life just going on. I mean, if, if heaven and if glory is just a going on of life like we live here on earth, well, I can understand the majority of people who could say, well, I don't think I want to buy into that. But no, it's a, a life not only of quantity, but it's a life of quality, a life of abundant living, a life of deep joy and contentment. And it begins now. When you know that although you have done wrong and you know there is shame and you know there is guilt, that that can be wiped out. One of the games that we certainly and toys we certainly enjoyed uh, back years ago, I'm not that old to talk about magic slates, but I'm certainly old enough to remember Etch-A-Sketch, where you could seek to draw something and then give it a shake and it would all disappear. Well, that can be your situation, that can be your experience this Christmas time. It includes the gift of forgiveness. All those things that you've done. If you ask the Lord Jesus to forgive you your sin, to come into your life and to lead you and to guide you, all that is behind you. But to refuse that gift is to turn your back on God's way out of this sin problem. Rather than then Jesus paying and bearing the punishment at Calvary, you choose then to refuse that gift and to perish eternally in hell itself. One of the saddest stories uh, with regards to uh, this sort of thought that gifts have been given and not really appreciated in life is linked to a lady called Thelma Howard. And I share this with you as the last illustration. Thelma, uh, Thelma Howard was the housekeeper for Walt Disney. Now, I'm sure over the Christmas time, we'll either be singing some of his songs or watching some of the, the, the videos uh, of the films of Walt Disney. It used to be a, a sort of a little program on at Christmas time every year uh, where you'd only get snippets. You know, it was before the sort of video games and all this sort of stuff. And you'd have this half an hour program of little excerpts of, of, of Disney films. They were never on TV. And we, we'd make sure we were all sitting around to see a little bit of, uh, of, of Bambi, see a little bit of Dumbo. We, we'd watch it all. Well, this lady, Thelma Howard, she was the housekeeper, and she began working uh, for uh, Walt Disney in 1951. She received, obviously, a monthly salary and food and accommodation uh, as she cared for Walt's children as well. And on Christmas Eve, Walt Disney would give her, obviously, a, a Christmas card. Uh, she'd receive her pay, a little bonus, perhaps, and also an envelope. And he told her, keep it safe. Some were kept under her bed. She never bothered to open them. Mr. Disney said, just keep it safe. And when she retired, uh, she bought, uh, brought, bought a little house uh, for her own and remained there until her death in 1994. 
a very, just a few days short of her 80th birthday. Friends gathered to hear a, a will being read, and the lawyer announced that Thelma had 193,000 shares in the Disney Corporation. Those little letters, those little envelopes which he never opened, and even then in 1994, worth millions of dollars. And she never really appreciated, she never really understood. Some keep God's promises under the bed. They are to be read, they are to be believed. There is forgiveness, there is a home in heaven, there is peace, there is joy, there is contentment. Even here now in this world, and despite it being a place of pain and sorrow. So we need to open those promises, we need to believe those promises, we need to embrace those promises. May God give us grace to do so. There, There's that Christmas text then. It's answered the question, the motive was love, the gift was the Son, and the very purpose was that we would not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life.